Section eleven of War Letters from a Young Queenslander by Robert Marshall Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sixteenth of August, nineteen fifteen. Things remain in status quo here, and are likely to do so. Frankly, I do not see how it could be otherwise. Both sides have tried unsuccessfully to get through. The French made a very big push at Suchet. They reached the labyrinth after awful slaughter, but they did not get through. Now we are held up by a large number of machine guns, and probably about one million men along the whole western front. What good would it do to try and get through? Rather let them come on again if they want to, or else wait for developments elsewhere. Now that the enemy is threatening Serbia once more, I fancy matters will take a sudden change down there, and that the Balkan jackals will decide with which pack to hunt. We are now back in the country residence where we were before Neuve-Chapelle. After two and a half months of luxurious existence in billets, we are now under canvas, but the change is good and we like it. The last few nights were, on the whole, quiet when collecting cases, though on one occasion both sides were rather peevish and the bullets came pretty close. Good old mother, 9.2 howitzer, chipped in, and it was grand to see the damage she could do, timber and sandbags and huns hurtling through the air. Our new high explosive is also something, and bursts with a crump quite equal to its German confrere. A couple of days ago, our Mohammedan natives had a great time at their festivities, the equivalent of our Lent. The last month has been Ramadan, during which they fasted and did not drink until sunset each day. They also made the air noisy with their prayers and recitations from the Koran. When the last night came, a message was sent from India, saying that the chief priest, or muezzin, had seen the new moon, and that the fast was over. The Indians dressed in white and careered round, embracing each other and making a great hullabaloo. Afterwards they had a feast of curried mutton and rice and spices. Sitting back here on a fine afternoon, it is hard to realise the war is on. At present the tints of the trees and the fields are beautiful. Harvesting is in full swing. In the majority of cases, old men and women and children are reaping. Occasionally a reaping machine can be seen. Nobody pays much, if any, attention to the aeroplanes overhead and the anti-aircraft shells. Even big shells landing in the fields do not disturb the harvesters unless they come very close. And this condition of intense cultivation goes right up to the front line. But then a change comes. The fields are still cultivated, but very ragged, because no sowing was done, naturally, last year. Grass grows luxuriantly all over the place. The change that is marked is in the condition of the trees and the houses. The woods here and on the La Basse Road, especially about Neuve-Chapelle, are the essence of desolation the trees are all gaunt and absolutely devoid of foliage many are just stumps with jagged ends like a human arm or leg after the rest has been blown off others still have the upper half lying on one side the houses are mere shells the roofs are skeletons of rafters walls mostly non-existent or simply a mass of holes in many cases all that remains of the house is a heap of bricks trenches run in all directions and sandbag barricades block the roads Nothing is visible during the day save clouds of dust as shells burst. At night the roads are dotted with parties coming and going. Star shells light everything up, and bullets whiz over, humming like blue bottles. Shell holes abound, and little graves and discarded provisions and kit. When the war is over, it will take time to obliterate this awful zone which exists from the sea to Switzerland. 23rd of August, 1915 our mails have been disorganised for a couple of days because a French mine got adrift after Boulogne and stopped all the traffic. We have had a peaceful week, just basking in what little sun there was, and going route marches and doing physical exercises to keep fit. One afternoon, when lying in my tent, I was astonished to hear a couple of bullets whiz very close. 
a maxim was practising near by and we had the benefit of a couple of shots we soon warned them to get the gun turned elsewhere we have also been honoured by a captive balloon which goes up near us the honour is rather dubious as the hun naturally tries to shell it and a village about a mile away got all his attempts the other day the majority of the troops now fighting against russia will probably be too tired to be used as first-class cannon fodder on this side their guns too will require reboring, and so if we have a push before the winter we should be in a position to give them a hot time heavy guns continue to pour into us and the reserve of ammunition is now not contemptible however one does not know what will occur we have just got a new order to remove all cases from the aid post by daylight instead of at night we have been appealing for this for a long time but the higher officers never having been out at night did not see the need for it they always visited the line by day and then there are practically no bullets only an occasional shell at night apart from the difficulty of finding one's way about in the dark there are the ever-present stray bullets not to mention an odd sniper one does not mind going through a curtain of bullets if there was anything to be gained but the clearance of cases can be managed much better in the day and it is certainly safer for us at present we are preparing for next winter in the ambulance thirtieth of august nineteen fifteen since i last wrote i have been up in the trenches again with the connaught rangers replacing their medical officer on leave these temporary jobs are a welcome change i joined the regiment here about two hours before we marched up we took about two and a half hours and reached the front line at an advanced dressing station from there we took to the fields for about a mile and met a good many stray bullets i found my aid post was in a farm not too badly knocked about the brigade signallers had part of it while my share was a fine cellar with a dugout for myself the cellar had a brick roof with iron girders and above it was a loft full of dried beans quite a good buffer for any shell it was a matter of detail that in winter this same cellar usually holds about three feet of water let sleeping dogs lie we are still in summer my dugout was very low and too narrow still i had a stretcher for a bed and plenty of mice to keep me company later on i found that harvest bugs had also taken a toll of me and i am still suffering from their attentions it might easily have been worse i was lulled to sleep that night by the crackling of machine guns and rifles and odd bombs as trench mortars lobbed their shells over the next day was taken up in going into sanitary matters we now use empty tins for latrines and clean them thrice daily i was in the third line trenches with the reserve companies not far away was nerve chapelle the whitened remains of its church strongly resemble the bleached bones of some dead animal and stand out against the dark trees most of which are branchless and leafless stripped by the constant shrapnel fire a good communication trench took one to the regimental headquarters and support trenches about five hundred yards further on these were situated in the remains of a little village on a road now simply a collection of tireless rafters and riddled walls naturally everybody was in dugouts the whiz of snipers bullets was constant down here then one went on by plum street to the orchard in the front line about three hundred yards the trench here was much deeper and stronger and soon one reached the limit all the communication trenches have names the ones in this part all led to an orchard and are called peach plum apple and mole other parts of the line rejoice in old familiar names bond street oxford street leicester lounge piccadilly etc these names are official and very confusing unless you know them naturally they do not figure on the ordinary map likely to fall into hostile hands the particular front held by the connaughts had very good fire trenches high and solidly built the hun was only about fifty yards away at this place so any movement soon brought over an inquiring bullet i had a good look at the opposite side with a periscope 
all one could see was a long white parapet between the two trenches was no man's land composed of fields absolutely bare all the grass had been cut down and a few gaunt trees not a bit of life could be seen except occasional shovelfuls of earth thrown over the hun parapet by a working party but though nobody seemed to be watching the thud of bullets on the parapet showed that the german was awake down there is the advance trench with a similar one opposite you and the chance of death at any moment makes one think a lot but the holders of the front line did not seem to worry much about such a curious way of spending life one man was on guard in each traverse and watched for any movements the rest sprawled about asleep or sat in dugouts reading writing or playing cards the cares and anxieties here are chiefly borne by the officers usually by the junior ones and they do not have much time to themselves in the blazing sun the narrow trenches were extremely hot soon they'll be quagmires for the most of the week i was there i had little to do in the day except watching the aeroplanes being shelled and looking out for any shells coming our way but the hun was very quiet and reserved his hate for the trenches a very interesting entente occurred in the trenches next to us when i was with the connaughts one evening an officer was playing his gramophone in his dugout when a request was shouted over to play some ragtime he did so and then the hun officer asked him to put the instrument on the parapet promising not to shoot at it this was done to the satisfaction of both sides the hun then suggested that the two officers should meet halfway unarmed they did so and meanwhile the men sat up on the parapet and smoked the first question the hun asked was have you any men from the trocadero apparently some of his men were there before the war the german staff however look with great disfavour on these ententes they want hate all the time when the time comes our men will show enough of it it is almost unnecessary to say that the men opposite us are saxons the only decent hun in the last afternoon when the evening hate was at its height i got an urgent message to come to the front line our shells were coming over very low and made one duck involuntarily and the return pipsqueaks and bombs pretty thick and near however nothing happened though i had to hug the trench several times to avoid fragments they wanted me to see a poor fellow who had been shot through the head to decide whether he should be left there to die or whether i could give him a better chance by taking him back there he lay in pools of blood in a narrow trench in the remnants of an orchard on a fine evening and high explosives were whizzing over us all the time and possibly going to land a few more of us in the same condition it was not a nice sight but the realities of war are not poetic at night i visited a neighbouring dugout and played bridge with the officers it was highly dangerous to walk about in the open because of the bullets and yet until lately we had to do this nightly to collect wounded one did not appreciate it so much until he sat there night after night and heard the whines of the high ones and the swish of those landing near him while i was there a new bomb-thrower came up a modern catapult engine it was a beauty and we practised with bricks and apples at all passers-by one of these was a major of the connaughts and he was rather angry when a half brick lobbed near him these are just some odd jottings of a quiet week in the trenches but soon all will be changed this inactivity is nearly at an end and long before this reaches you hell will have broken loose for our great attack so long planned is about to take place may i come through it as before seventh of september nineteen fifteen i have just had a week in charge of the divisional train whose doctor was on leave the train consists of four companies of the asc who supply the various brigades naturally they were scattered and it took a good four hours ride to get round them all the ride however kept me in good form several of the days were very wet but the last couple have been brilliant and quite made up for the wetting i then received as the ambulance is resting things have been quiet 
the only excitement has been aerial i told you before about the captive sausage balloon above us it was sure to attract the attention of the hun who eventually had a few shots which fell about a mile short the other morning we saw a hun biplane come over disregarding all our archibald shells and sail right round the unfortunate balloon luckily it did not fire on it yesterday we saw an aerial duel the hun had a machine gun and forced our man to retire and come down wounded not content with bringing gas to this front the hun has also presented us with his battle plane or super aeroplane this monster was out over us on sunday it measures sixty to seventy feet across and has two sets of engines it is very fast and must be a terror to meet up in the air it had the cheek to come over and fire with the machine gun on our trenches however cheer up i have just read about the wonderful aeroplanes we are about to use though usually last in the field with anything new we are said to have the limit now a plane capable of doing one hundred and fifty-eight miles an hour i got a couple of footballs for our personnel british and native and already they have given a lot of pleasure it makes time pass more quickly and makes them a lot cheerier it does make one laugh to see the natives playing the majority know nothing of the game but they play with plenty of noise and vigour with their long stick-like legs the hair done up in a knot on their heads sikhs or just a little pigtail they look very picturesque the havildar or sergeant is referee and he imports his authority onto the field the penalty for handling the ball is a clout from the referee and to be chased off the field that rule works wonders we hope to have a gramophone for next winter and to get up a penny whistle band and so pass away the long dreary hours of darkness i am keeping very fit with a run every morning and then physical exercises followed by a cold tub in the open eighth of september nineteen fifteen referring to letters surmising that he was in a fine chateau the writer says i was very amused at your thinking that my chateau was an old medieval structure as a matter of fact it is a modern house attached to a glucose factory which stank like pinkumber this part of france does not abound in old mansions it is too industrial about six miles off is bethune the new castle of the north of france and the centre of all the coal mines while we have two mines here the country is quite flat and covered with crops harvesting has finished and the farmers are hard at work ploughing the fields again they don't mean to waste any time all the labour is done by old men and women and children not to mention the poor decrepit horses many a poor brute who should have finished his days in peace has now to do a very heavy day's work i don't think anything has surprised the indians more than the reapers and binders in india everything connected with agriculture is very primitive and the men looked agape at the machines so common to us i know that some of the more wealthy have written for catalogues for future use you may not know that practically every soldier aspires to be a landowner if even it may mean a small plot after serving their time they get a grant of land so all this intensive cultivation has a great interest for them end of section eleven